1: Most women know about the importance of a healthy prenatal diet, but much fewer understand the role nutrition plays in creating a healthy postpartum mom, especially one who's breastfeeding. I'm Sarah Vance, a nutritionist, a kids yoga and group exercise instructor. Today we'll be discussing nutrition for the breastfeeding mom. This is The Boob Group, episode 22.
2: Welcome to The Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I'm your host, Robin Kaplan. I'm also a certified lactation consultant and owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. At The Boob Group, we're your online support group for all things related to breastfeeding. Have you checked out our fabulous articles on our blog? We have several moms who have offered to blog about their breastfeeding experiences for the boob group, and I was completely blown away by their stories. If you are interested in sharing your breastfeeding stories, feel free to contact me through the link on our boob group website, which is www.theboobgroup.com. So today, we're joined by three lovely panelists in the studio. Ladies, will you please introduce yourselves?
3: My name is Marshell Papa. I am 33, and I work as a grants and funding specialist part-time. I have three children aged four and also two and two. I've got two-year-old twins. I'm Mary Jane Fisher.
4: i age 35. I'm a stay-at-home mom to Jason who is um, 14 months and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jessica Butonda. I'm 32 and a teacher on
5: assignment up in Ontario, California and I have one daughter named London who's 17 months old. All right well ladies welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you.
0: So here's a comment from one of our listeners. Her name is
2: Jean, and she's from Riverdale Park, Maryland. Hi, Boob Group. I just love your ongoing series about you following three new breastfeeding moms for the first year. I recently had my first baby, and I've been listening to these episodes to get an idea of what to expect in the upcoming months. It's really nice to know that I'm not the only mom out there having issues. I recommend your show to the women in my breastfeeding support group all the time. Thanks for the great resource. And thanks so much, Jean, for writing this in. Today on the Boob Group, we're discussing the importance of nutrition for the postpartum and breastfeeding mom. Our expert, Sarah Vance, is a nutritionist and a kids' yoga and group exercise instructor. Thanks so much for joining us, Sarah, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Sure. Um, Sarah, I know that recently we've moved from this kind of traditional food pyramid way of thinking that probably most of us remember learning about in grade school um, to one that actually includes more healthy fats and encourages more fruits and vegetables. Um, In your practice, how do you define healthy nutrition?
1: Well, first of all, I am so glad they moved away from the my pyramid to the my plate and even no it's not perfect. one of the things that it does emphasize that I think every American needs is more plant based foods you know if you look at the plate, half of the plate is plant based food, so that means that they really want you to fill half your plate at every meal, which is not necessarily easy but a good <laughs> goal um It's something really good to shoot for and so I think it's really taking that emphasis away from you know having the foundation of grains you know we we get plenty of grains um you know, to me, as far as healthy nutrition, it's it's not at all about calorie counting, um, but it's really getting plenty of whole, real, fresh foods. Um, looking at really upgrading, how can we upgrade our foods? How can we really take our foods to the next level? Get more nutrition in every bite. Um, looking at this is really important. is looking at reducing our exposure to toxins. That's important not only for our weight, but also especially when we're breastfeeding for for our breastfeeding um, for our baby. And you know what I mean? By toxins, it can mean chemicals like preservatives, pesticides, artificial ingredients, foods that we're sensitive to, so it could even be food allergies and intolerances. A lot of times those are undiagnosed, plastics, BPAs, um, you know, those kinds of things. I also think you touched on it as well as the importance of getting healthy fats, and that's really, really important um, during this time when we're breastfeeding as well for the baby. And then lastly, I think it's something I call intuitive eating, and what that really is, is learning how to tune into your body to understand what foods are good for you and what aren't. And, um, you know, I think that's so important not only for us moms, for ourselves, but for our babies to really have that intuition and start to really trust that intuition and know that sometimes... We might disagree we for a good reason with some experts or doctors or whatever because we feel something different and we know, and we know our baby better than anybody. You know, I think of symptoms as the body's alarm system. A lot of times we'll go to a conventional doctor and they'll see symptoms as something we need to take away. Mm-hmm. But when we take those away, we may not see what's going on. So just, you know, again, being really in tune with that. Um, you know, I think all of these things are even more important before and during and after pregnancy because you're creating and sustaining another life. So when you're breastfeeding, you kind of need to tune in and look for clues in your baby too. You know, this intuitive eating, you can look for things like chronic diaper rash, excessive crying, um, a lot of really, you know, spitting up and things like that. That can be a signal that there's like a food intolerance or something like that. Um, So, you know, as far as what um, you know, what things to look for. A friend of mine, actually, she had invited me over after her baby was born. And it was, I think it was just like, he was within two weeks. And he had lots of diaper rash, and they had him on um, antacids. And then they were getting ready to put him on a prescription. I said, why don't you just try taking dairy out of your diet? And she did, and it immediately cured it. And so I think just thinking about that intuitiveness for yourself, for your baby, and just really trusting yourself. Absolutely. And, you know, you're describing what type of role nutrition plays in the baby
2: as well as, you know, the mom. And so what nutrients do you think are the most important for a woman's body in these early postpartum months that will also translate into what their baby's getting as
1: well? Well, nutrition is important for so many reasons. One, it's just important to keep mom energized. Um, you know, it's it's important to provide the baby with healthy nutrients um, and prevent mom from developing deficiencies because nature's kind of forgiving. What's going to happen is if we're not having a really healthy diet, it's going to rob from mom to give to baby. And so, you know, a lot of times, you know, if you have a day where you're not eating super, super healthy, you can still feel good that, okay, baby's probably not suffering too much. But if that goes on and on and on, mom's going to really be suffering. And that can affect you know, subsequent pregnancies as well. Breastfeeding is, I kind of think about it as as running five miles a day, <laughs> you know, because you're burning like 500 extra calories. You need more, you have your fluid levels. go. So it's a lot just like you are you're like an athlete. You're really, your body is working really hard. And what I always tell my athletes is you really need functional foods. If you want your body to function at its best, you need to put in foods that are going to help it function. And so it's just very similar to, to new moms is just to really look at how can I make those better choices and it's just going to benefit both me and the baby. Um, I I think one of the most important nutrients for everyone and especially new moms, this is really one of my biggest um, nutrients that I tell everybody about is omega-3 fatty acids. Um, Americans tend to be deficient in omega-3s and they're brain food, they're mood food, they're food for healthy hearts. And they're also really key in reducing our inflammation. Chronic inflammation is actually an invitation to disease. And so, when we can keep our inflammation down, not only do we feel better, but we're going to be less likely to um, develop many diseases. And, um, you know, omega 3s are important for mom's health, but also baby's health as well. They're really, really critical for baby's brain development, um, they're important for their eyes. And so really making sure that we're getting enough omega-3 fatty acids to pass on to baby is really going to be very important so, as well.
2: So where, where can we find our omega-3s, essentially, rather than just going and purchasing a little container of them <laughs>
1: at the local grocery store? Well, you know, that's interesting because, um, you know, throughout pregnancy, we're, you know, we're told to avoid things like or, you know, limit things like tuna and things like that because of mercury. Um, and so sometimes maybe the safest thing is to supplement, or you can also do vegetarian forms of omega-3 fatty acids. One of my absolute favorite foods in the whole wide world, and it's actually the reason I became a nutritionist, is chia seed. And chia seed is um, it's similar to flax, but it actually has a lot of benefits over flax. It has antioxidants. So when you grind chia seed, it won't go rancid like flax. Um, it has an amazing fiber content that is actually what's called hydrophilic. And so it soaks up about 10 to t- 12 times its own weight in water. So it helps keeps you hydrated. It fills you up. It gives you energy. So it's this amazing superfood. And, and it doesn't really taste like anything. So you can just throw it in smoothies and cook with it. And I pretty much have it every day. It's really interesting. My, my kids are, are fairly, they're somewhat picky
2: eaters. And we also, um, and both of them are gluten intolerant. And so we have a hard time finding fibrous foods that they will actually eat because god forbid they ate a piece of kale or something <laughs> 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 and so but one of the the breads that we eat has chia seeds in it and they love it and cuz it has a little bit of a crunch to it but has virtually no flavor. And um, and so I feel like at least it's a whole grain that they're getting. In, well, I guess, is it a grain? Is Would it be considered it's a whole a grain? It's a seed. It's, it's yeah. a seed in the mint so, family. Yeah.
1: But it, it has all these amazing properties in that I feel like, okay, well, at least they're getting this. <laughs> totally. And you know, it's funny because you can hide it in so many things. I put it in my smoothies, I make a bean dip with it. And so you know, just kind of thinking about that, just What are some of the things that I could just make it easy? You make a smoothie, just throw it in there. You don't even know it's there, you know, so it just keeps your your life easy. And then you're getting those good nutrients as well. Um, You can also get uh, sustainably caught fish. One of the brands that I really, really like as far as tuna is a a brand called Wild Planet. And they, um, they have half the mercury of most other brands because they're catching the smaller size tunas. And then it also has six times the omega-3 content of most brands because the way they, they process it, they cook it in the can, and so they're not losing those nutrients. So, you know, just kind of those kinds of things can help. Um, you know, some of the smaller fish, like you can do krill oil or uh, one of the brands I like for fish oils is um, Barleans. It just is tasty and it's just easy, and yeah, sometimes I'll put it in the smoothies. So there's so many different ways you can get it. You know, other things like hemp, and, and you can get a little bit nuts, and, and so I think just kind of starting to be aware and looking for like an eggs, They've got the omega-3 eggs. You'll see more and more so because they realize how important it is. More and more foods are offering that in it. So, okay. What other nutrients would you add to that? You know, one of the other things I think is really, really important and critical for pretty much everybody to know, but especially postpartum is knowing our vitamin D levels. And I'm finding that just It's not, you know, more and more doctors are really testing it on a regular basis, but it can fluctuate within a year's time. And one of the best sources of vitamin D is actually just sun. And one of the reasons why so many of us are deficient is because we've been told for 20 odd years to (laughs) not get any sun. (laughs) And so we're really finding about 70% of the population is deficient. And vitamin D is really important for a number of things. One, they actually say vitamin D is more effective than getting a flu shot and you're boosting your immune system. So just having optimum vitamin D levels. Um, It also is, uh, Cedric Garland of UCSD says over 70% of breast cancers could be prevented by optimum levels of vitamin D. And actually, it's not a very well-known fact that your risk of breast cancer goes up to slightly after pregnancy. There's a number of things that can help with that, like breastfeeding actually lowers your risk, especially if you can breastfeed beyond four months, the longer you breastfeed. Your, reduce go, your risk goes down. You know, vitamin D helps prevent against that. Um, vitamin D is critical for bone formation. If we don't have vitamin D, we're not getting our calcium into our bones and we're not absorbing some other nutrients. So vitamin D is definitely another one of them. And if, you're op- if your blood levels of vitamin D are optimized, you'll pass it on to your baby. But if you don't have enough, then they, the, they recommend the baby gets about 400 IU of vitamin D uh, daily. So knowing your vitamin D. So you can go just get a blood test and they'll tell you. So you should be up around 50. You know, one of the things that I found after I had my kids was that
2: um, the witching hour to between four and eight at night um, made it really challenging for me to make sure that I was getting a healthy dinner. You know, at lunch, it, kids were usually pretty quiet around then. But but dinner was just, man, it was a beast. Um, and so I get out to the panelists first. You know, do you find that it's challenging to create kind of this desired healthy diet that um, that Sarah's explaining,
4: in, in a sense, because of the time frame that you have. Um, I have a um, fourteen-month-old, as I said. So it's it's we kind of everything's based around eating and naps. <laughs> 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 Every time I turn around, it's it's time to eat, and then and then after that, it's time to nap. Um, so, I, I mean. I guess when it's a little easier now that he's a little bit bigger, but when i was um, when I first had him, it was uh, hard to kind of you know get a good um, nutrition for myself um, and and doing all the things that I was doing for him um, but i i I think just one of the things that i Try to, to think of, and it's it is a little bit hard in our house because my husband is could live off of pizza <laughs> if he um, had his way. Um, but I just try to think of whole foods, just you know what's grown from the ground or you know what what's just grown, and just try to stay away from. You know, as much processed as I can, and thankfully, my son has taken to our whole routine of veggies. He's just eaten tons of veggies since um, since we started giving him solids around seven months, I believe it was. So, thankfully, um, you know, it, it's been it hasn't been that hard, but it, I mean, it is. It's you're constantly going to the store. You're you're you know with when you have whole foods, they don't last very long. So you're you know you're definitely having to to keep up with um, with rep- Replenishing and and you know just trying new things too you know yeah. N- not keeping with the same um, veggie routine absolutely how about you Marshall? I mean, you have
2: three children so
4: <laughs> yeah um,
3: I have three children and my husband works so much that he's never home during that time so um, that's our our daily challenge and I'm probably like many moms more committed to my kids' nutrition than to my mm-hmm. nutrition. So I'm cooking them all these organic foods and I'm making the salmon and, you know, I I'm making great food for them, but then I'm so frustrated after having prepared the meal that, uh, you know, that's my personal weakness is that I don't even sit down to eat with them, you know, cause I'm up and down getting more milk and more this <laughs> and more that. And you dropped your spoon and you dropped your fork. And <laughs> so um, by the time I've hustled them off to the bathtub, I'm thinking, Oh wait, I didn't even eat myself. So um, yeah, it's, I think that it's difficult when your kids are younger because you're feeding them separate foods. You know, you mm-hmm. might be feeding them the purees and then just letting them try a little bit of yours. Um but even now that my kids and I are eating the same meals, it's still a challenge to set that good example for them to see that mommy is eating this too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and my daughter tells me, Mommy dinner. Mommy dinner. <laughs> so so she's looking out for me. Exactly. How about you, Jessica?
5: I feel like my husband and I are eating healthier since the babies come just because The food that we maybe would want to eat, we're thinking, well, she can't eat that. Well, if she can't eat that, we probably shouldn't be eating that either. So it's just kind of a good way to shift your thinking. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, And ladies, kind of what are your favorite go-to healthy foods right now?
5: How about you, Jessica? I would say... Now I could get myself in trouble. She's going to tell me, that's not really that healthy. No, um, Right now, for me, it's oatmeal, like actual whole oats oatmeal, and it started to increase my milk supply, and now it's just become like a super yummy breakfast or snack or, you know, kind of a go-to, something that the baby will eat, something that I'll eat, my husband will eat it, so. Very
4: nice. How about you, Mary Jane? Avocados. Love avocados, and I, I always somehow have carrots, like with every single meal. <laughs> They're just so easy to grab and go. Um, those are two. Like uh, uh, my family always laughs because whenever we go to their house for dinner, they're like, you know, did he have avocado today? And I'm like, yes, he did have avocado <laughs> today. Cause we're always we always seem to be eating it. Um, a- anything really quick, you know that that's uh, you know we, uh, when we cook uh, meats, uh, chicken or, or pork chops, we make sure that we cook like the whole thing, and then basically it's it's the next day's lunch and possibly dinner so um, you know that's that's kind of our routine is is making um, uh, the vegetables we try and make fresh because it just they don't taste very good to us and we we actually don't have a microwave anymore so we reheat everything on the stove and it just doesn't work out that way so we kind of do those new um, but meats and and uh, fast foods like avocado and and um, carrots definitely
3: yeah how about you Marshall um my kids are fruitarians. Yeah. where if I can't get them to eat the veggies, they always yeah. want to eat the fruit. And we're you know, so fortunate in Southern California with so many great farmer's markets, Absolutely. and that's one of their favorite outings is going to the farmer's market and, you know, eating all the samples <laughs> before we actually buy anything. Um, and we're also big fans of nuts, and, um, you know, my kids will just eat nuts all the time. And then we're also a big smoothie family where... It's just so easy to make a smoothie and I can sneak the, well, I don't sneak it where they don't know it's in there, but I can put the spinach in and they don't object to it. Yeah, nice.
2: Absolutely. Sarah, would you have anything else to
1: add for just kind of quick go-tos that moms could pick up and have for themselves or for their children if they're old enough to feed themselves? Well, first of all, I think all of these are amazing tips. I mean, the one about cooking the proteins, when you cook a protein, cook extra because Mm -hmm. they are the thing that takes the longest. Mm -hmm. And so when, I mean, we do that in our house and it's so helpful. I mean, just just to plan ahead a little bit like that. And eating the things that your baby's eating again, that's great because I'm sort of one of those people that just the whole kid food thing just mm-hmm. you're getting yourself into a trap there feeding them something different so then you've got to do twice as much work mm-hmm. then they're going to be when do they ever graduate from kid mm-hmm. food I, you know some of them will never grow you know so things like that just you know thinking about just eating with the baby cooking those things extra you know the smoothies that's i'm mm. i'm absolute love smoothies that's one of the things we have for breakfast every day and and when you're too busy And you're rushing around and you're thinking of baby I I know there's times when you just literally can't get in the kitchen well you definitely have time to just whip something up in the smoothie and then you'll get your energy you can like you said throw spinach and whatever you know superfood you have in the house into that and you'll at least not have to suffer mom will get what she needs to you know stay energized and all that so just you know I think one of the things when we're as moms, we do tend to just this immediately. We have this beautiful baby, and we just want to do every for them, everything for them, and put them first. And we also have to just remind ourselves a couple of times that we also have to give ourselves what we need because we can't be the best mom we can be if we don't have, you know, that soul. I call it soul soul food. So we have that time when we do some things that we just love to do, and then when we come back, we're refreshed. And you know, so if we have those things that we can do whether it's even just reading a book or you know so making sure that we're doing those things to support ourselves and then that just makes us better moms absolutely all right when we come back sarah will be discussing how nutrition can affect a mom's milk
2: supply and mental health as well as her favorite cooking resources so we'll be right back all right well we're back um sarah what part does nutrition play in supporting a mom's milk supply and what foods can be beneficial for that
1: well you know you want to eat sufficient calories again to keep your energy up because again you know it it takes a lot of calories to feed the baby um you know and that's just helpful for lactation like you know there could be certain foods that you're feeling like your milk supply is going down you could you know, start to eat things like um, certain things like asparagus, you know, sometimes can help. Um, alfalfa, beets, carrots, fennel, fenugreek. I don't know if anybody's ever tried that, but you smell like maple syrup. You know. <laughs> um, another interesting one, nutritional yeast, which is a really amazing vegetarian um, form. Of How do you use nutritional yeast? Because my sister uses it all the time and I don't really know. I should have asked. I could have asked her, you but can, I'm asking um, you. <laughs> if you're a vegan, you do a lot of things with nutritional yeast. You can make, you can make like um, nacho cheese with it, with cashews and things like that. But one of the easiest things to two easy things to just get nutritional yeast into your diet is popcorn. Just pop, and I like to do it on the stove top, in um, coconut oil. Pop your popcorn. Always go for organic whenever you buy corn if you can. And then you can put just a little bit of whatever you like on it. Butter or there's that earth balance if you're a vegetarian, begin um, the earth balance coconut spread. Just melt that and then sprinkle nutritional yeast on it and it tastes like cheese corn so delicious. Mm. And then another one that's really, really easy is kale chips. And they're super, super easy to make. You just take the kale and chop it up and put um, olive oil and salt and pepper and sprinkle on nutritional yeast and just kind of mix it all in there. Put it in the oven and they're like amazing. So, um, and I, I had these kids over, my kids are um, 9 and, and 11, and they're, they had some friends over, and one of their friends, is. Kind of, I always have these picky eaters that come over, and their moms are always like, what do you have at Sarah's house? What do you have at Sarah's house? <laughs> and he came over, and um, he was like, what are those things? Looking at the kale chips. I'm like, other oh, kale chips. And he's like, are they good? And he sees other kids eating them, and, and he just popped, and they were delicious. And he's like, oh, those are great. And I told his mom, she's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> now, what is the benefit of nutritional yeast? Nutritional yeast is a really good um, source of protein Yeah, okay. yeah and, it's, and it's vegan and it, it really has a lot of the amino acids and, and it's kind of energizing and all of that so that's, that's a good one.
2: You know I've definitely seen a correlation between um, quick postpartum weight loss and a decreased milk supply both in my breastfeeding clients and for me personally. And so Sarah can you explain maybe why this quick weight
1: loss after um, those early postpartum months can actually decrease a mom's milk supply? Well, you know, I'm not even really sure if they're sure why. You know, I think some of it could just be that you're just not getting enough calories and and your body's under a little bit of stress. You know, I think one of the things that can reduce milk supply is stress and and losing weight really quickly is actually very stressful on the body. I don't don't ever recommend it for anybody to lose weight quickly. It's very hard on the liver. Um, You know, so gradual weight loss is safe, you know, for everybody, and it's just going to be much more longer-lasting anyway. So I really just suggest that... You know, anybody that wants to lose weight does it gradually and just, you know, continues to make sure that they keep their energy up, that they're, you know, eating lots of healthy foods just to keep that milk supply going. So. And you had mentioned also in the beginning of this interview as well that your body kind of
2: fights to protect the infant that you're feeding. And so if it's creating everything for the infant
1: and it's not protecting the mom, then it might seem that that would actually correlate to eventually the supply is going to decrease as well. Exactly. And it's going to be different for everybody, you know, and I think that's the thing is you just have to kind of you know, know your body and again, be intuitive and listen, oh, you know, this isn't going right, you know, so let's make some changes and just be ready to just kind of adjust what you're doing to take best care of yourself and and baby and everything you need to be doing. Sure. And, you know, after having
2: a baby, I think most of us moms, you know, we would like to lose some of that pregnancy weight, um, you know, and we have a question from one of our Facebook um, followers and Brooke was wondering how a mom can lose the baby weight without jeopardizing her milk supply. So you were talking about
1: kind of the slower weight loss. But I think one of the things that, I well, first of all, that I tell all my clients is just cleaner. You know, just if you can, the less processed foods, um, really actually toxins can cause us to hold on to weight, can cause us to gain weight, can actually change our our endocrine system. So when we're having, when we, if we're drinking all of our water bottled, water out of plastic bottles, that is a hormone interrupter. So thinking about just... You know, getting the the glass water bottles, um, you know, those kinds of things. And on the, another really interesting thing that a lot of people don't think about is your digestion. If your digestion's not working well, then you can have all – you can actually be um, – you know you're not going to first of all be absorbing your nutrients properly so if you're not absorbing your nutrients your body's saying something's wrong something's wrong so you're going to be hungrier Um, they actually did a study where they it's kind of a gross study but it was (laughs) a very telling study where they transplanted fecal matter from someone who was overweight from someone who was thin into someone who was overweight's body that person lost weight because they had the beneficial bacteria that their body needed to work very well so um, you know, the other thing that's very counterintuitive that I have to just pound <laughs> into my clients' head is healthy fats. Healthy fats are um, one of the absolute keys to controlling our hunger. So if we are not getting enough healthy fats in our diet, so the whole low fat craze, yeah, we're all starving. We're all just, I mean, it made us all starving and made us all, you know, overcarbed. <laughs> yeah, overcarbed and, you know, pre-diabetic, all these things. So basically when we're getting enough healthy fats, you had mentioned avocado, absolutely one of my all-time favorite foods in the whole wide world, great for baby, great for mom, you know, just great for everybody. So making sure that you're really thinking about reaching those healthy fats, the nuts, the avocados, um, getting plenty of those in your diet because those are again gonna control, they're gonna get your hormones in balance So much of our weight and so much of everything is controlled by our hormones. There's two hormones, leptin and ghrelin. And if they're out of balance, our hunger is out of balance. Sleep is another thing that we need to, which is not so easy to get when we have a baby saying, Mom, feed me all night. So when you can squeeze those naps in and things like that, um, because when we're not sleeping well, we could have our cortisol can go up. And cortisol is a hormone that tells us to store weight in our midsection. So, again, it's just a lot of these things that, you know, it's not about calories. It's not about restriction. It's really about cleaning, cleaning out our diets, taking care of ourselves. So allowing us to get the rest and lowering our stress levels. Easier said than done, but (laughs) trying. And then probiotics. And probiotics was actually one of the other nutrients I kind of wanted to mention because, again, the health of our gut determines whether or not we're absorbing nutrients. It boosts our immune system, similar to vitamin D, even more so probably. And um, again, it's key in our weight. And 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 for the babies, probiotics. You know, when we're e- when we're our gut flora and we're taking probiotics, we can pass that on to the baby, and that can actually reduce colic and um, it can reduce allergies and things like that. So it's again, it's really good for for babies' gut health as well.
5: Do you recommend probiotics straight for the baby also? Like once th- once they're older, mm-hmm. I have a toddler.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Probiotics is um, one of one of the supplements that I definitely recommend for everybody. And you're going to find more and more. You have know, the newer, healthier baby companies will have those put mm-hmm. into a lot of their foods and things like that.
2: And for probiotics, I mean, I. They're alive, so you don't want to
1: buy them off the shelf, correct? You would need to buy them refrigerated. There are some that can come from the shelf that, like, for example, they'll have something in them that will keep them alive. Like, they'll be like a powder or something like that, and and sometimes they'll even have like yeast in it, which is kind of counterintuitive, but um, that that allows it to stay alive through. You also want it to have something that will keep it alive through the stomach to get into the small intestine where you really want it to work, because otherwise... You know, if it just goes into the stomach and just then it gets wasted. But so, yeah, you can. But ideally, you want to get the ones that are in the refrigerator section, mm. in the grocery store that that are live. Those are usually the best. And you want to look for something that says guaranteed, like in the millions or whatever, mm. of bacteria for. Um, those are the good ones. Yeah. OK. Yeah.
2: Um, and ladies, you all seem like you're incredibly good cooks. I actually want to come to all your homes <laughs> and eat your food. <laughs> um, what. What are your favorite kitchen products that you're using right now that really help you to continue to cook healthily for your families? Um, I know for me, I've, Crock-Pot really became my best friend when I had young kids, especially my kids are 15 months apart, so they're close together like yours, Marcelle, and I. Um, they were much happier in the morning, and so I could put something in there in the morning, and it would be ready for dinner, and I could kind of sail through the witching hour. And so um, have you found that there are certain things that, that you use more often in your kitchen that really help you to get those healthy healthy nutri- nutrients to your
3: families? Well, the crock pot requires the level of planning ahead. <laughs> that is true. I, I, I just don't have it in me to do it the night before, to do it in the morning. Um, so, you know, I think we talked earlier about, you know, cooking something beforehand. So, you know... I justify the cost of I can afford organic chicken because it is the same price for a whole chicken as it is for, you know, a regular chicken breast. So then I've learned ways to use the whole chicken. So, you know, I'm roasting it and then I'm, you know, taking it apart and putting it into burritos or whatever else it is. Long story short, then I'm Mm -hmm. making the chicken broth and, you know, making the soups or using it later in my later for my cooking. So, I mean, honestly, just the oven and also, um, my kids prefer roasted veggies over, you know, most other forms. So just roasting the, roasting the broccoli and putting the Parmesan cheese on it. So I, I use the oven a lot. Um, and of course now it's summertime, so we use the grill, um, which is always nice to just be able to, you know, put that out there and, um. They're big fans of almost anything grilled. It's exciting. If I put it on a skewer, Mm. it's so (laughs) exciting for them. That's a great tip. That's what I was just going to say. I really don't cook that often. Mm. I really don't have any good
5: kitchen gadgets, Mm. but I swear the toothpick has become my new best friend because I have a toddler who refuses to eat vegetables, but, man, you stick that veggie on a... Toothpick.
3: They just want to nom, nom,
5: nom, nom, nom. kids are, the game. do,
3: you know, the, the muffin tins. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. Can we have snack trays for dinner? And so they'll eat so much more because they've got those little individual portions and things like that. That's a fantastic That's awesome. idea. And that could be good for, you know, moms, too. You know, you could portion out your food throughout the day, you know, and have that ready and handy don't be like me. Don't stress eat the chocolate because you guys <laughs> are
4: all crying. How about you, Mary Jane? Um, you know, not much more than what the girls said here. Just, um, you know, saute pan. We saute lots of vegetables. Um, and, uh, you know, I it's funny because I have found that um, we, we – my husband and I um, got pregnant on our wedding night, so we had all these um, uh, dessert um, pl- paper plates left over, and I, when I put my um, son's food on those paper plates we're trying to use up, he <laughs> eats more. Like, mm-hmm. like, he has his little plate, and I'm okay because it's paper, you know, and... and so that's kind of funny that, you know, that what we put, how we what, how present, we present it. it, exactly. Absolutely.
2: I really want to thank you, Sarah, for your insight into healthy nutrition for the breastfeeding mom. Um, your tips were fantastic. And ladies, thank you for your advice as well. I love the idea of using toothpicks and, <laughs> and different types of ways of presenting food. I'm going to go try that tonight when I get home <laughs> with my kids. Um, so thank you so much for your for your information.
6: This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's sky dot com slash easy. Get fifteen percent off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy.
2: Before we wrap things up, here's Lara Adello talking about ways to overcome societal booby traps.
7: Hi, boot Group Listeners. I'm Lara Dello, a certified lactation educator, the retail marketing manager at Best for Babes, and owner of Mama Pear Designs. Today, we're here to talk about how you can achieve your personal breastfeeding goals without being undermined by cultural and institutional booby traps. Let's examine whether or not your hospital provided you with enough access to an IBCLC. It's a common complaint. I really needed help. I asked to see a lactation consultant, but she never came. Not all breastfeeding problems require someone with the training and skills of an international board-certified lactation consultant, but many do, and research has demonstrated that having the assistance of one makes a big difference in mom's ability to meet their breastfeeding goals. So why do so many moms say that they waited in vain for an IBCLC's help? In 2010, the United States Lactation Consultants Association released guidelines for lactation consultants staffing in different hospital settings, and it cited a paper suggesting that 71% of mothers require the assistance of an IBCLC. Research shows that we're falling short of the recommendation that hospital staff one IBCLC for every 1,000 deliveries. The USLCA indicates that there's a shortage of IBCLCs in hospitals and that many hospitals don't even provide holiday coverage. That may explain why moms report asking for but not getting to see a lactation consultant. Until the optimal staffing becomes reality, remember that feedback matters. If you are unsatisfied with your access to IBCLCs at your hospital or any other part of your breastfeeding care, write to your hospital. This kind of feedback is taken very seriously and could go a long way in making a difference for the moms who choose to give birth at that facility in the future. A special thank you to Tonya Lieberman, IBCLC, for writing the RubyChat series for Best for Babes. Visit BestForBades.org for more great information about how to meet your personal breastfeeding goals. And my business, MamaPairDesigns.com for breastfeeding supportive wearables. And be sure to listen to the group for fantastic conversations about breastfeeding and breastfeeding support.
2: Thank you so much to our experts, panelists, and to all of our listeners. I hope you'll visit our website, theboobgroup.com, and add your tips and tricks for eating a healthy diet in the comment section of this episode. If you have any questions about today's show or the topics we discussed, call our Boob Group hotline at 619-866-4775, and we'll answer your question on an upcoming episode. If you have a breastfeeding topic you'd like to suggest, we'd love to hear it. Simply visit our website, theboobgroup.com, and send us an email through the contact link. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, because mothers know breast. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode
6: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.